to enter the elf tree. Hi, dear everybody. I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And I am going to call us out on Front Street right now. This is the second time we are getting into episode 50. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of some technical difficulties, which led into some creative difficulties, which kind of led into just like like a really shitty opening to, to a milestone oh, episode. it wasn't shitty. I mean, it, it, wasn't, wasn't... it wasn't shitty, but, you know, we kind of like stumbled our way into episode <laughs> 50, and I was like, we could do better. We stumbled doored. We, we stumbled doored. Um, Copyright. Uh, which... Copyright. Stumbledore. Us? Yeah, I it's guess. like when you mess Wait, up. Sh- That's military. Yeah, we got a military helicopter. Dude, that is right something now. I have seen so much of around LA. Well, and speaking of, you've got a you've got a little uh, a correction. I mean, can everybody hear that? Yeah, Hold listen. On. It's a Chinook. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I don't know. I've seen a lot of them lately around it's LA. Pretty, it's a pretty flying low, heinous disturbance. That noise. And, they fly I mean, it's, low, dude. It's very low, very low, and they fly over. I mean, well, they're, they're a little late today. Usually, they'll fly over going one direction about ten a.m. and then at about five five thirty, they'll fly back the other way. I it's, saw two. I saw two pass my house the other day, flying extremely low, where really? I could actually see into the. Hell, I could see the people in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There was nobody like. Sitting on the edge, like they were, you know, making sure the people weren't fucking yeah, around, right, you know. Right. But it did. It was definitely a disturbing thing to see. It's like, yeah. why? Why am I seeing that in the safety of my own town of L.A.? Why is that flying overhead? Like, here's something that I'm curious about. The next time you hear helicopters going over, text me as soon as you can. Right. Like those military helicopters coming my direction. Text me as soon as you can. I want to see if I can get the text message and go see them. In time, because I mean, you oh, live, definitely. You live, what, five miles, five yeah, and a half miles like away from me. So I mean, it's it's not that far, but I mean, they do fly in a straight line right over our two houses through going through the valley. So it's just, it's just so weird. I'd be I'd be curious to actually try and keep track of their you know their patterns. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely <clears throat> twice a day, and it it's, is. it varies like the different kinds of um, helicopters and. What do you call those? The hel- the Chinook? Is that what it is? It's like a plane helicopter kind a of chin- thing? No, the Chinook Or it's got the two is, blades? Um, What's the two blades? Yeah, well, there are two with two blades. There's one oh. that kind of looks like a banana, you yep, know, with a yep. blade in front and blade in back. Okay. And then there's the, the I think that's an Amram. Okay. I, I may be totally wrong, but it there's looks the like one that looks Avatar, like Avatar, right? Yes, it's okay. kind of the, the, plane, the plane chopper thing. Dude, I see those go by all the time, and they go in teams of like four or five. Yeah. But it's just, it's kind of alarming to see that. It's like, that's what you would see during a wartime. Like, that would be them going. You just wonder why we're seeing it here right now. You know, it's, it's, but speaking of military, you had a, you had a correction from last week. Oh, to, yes. To Guys, sure. I apologize. On last week's episode, I mentioned. Uh, this is another, another curtain being pulled back. Mr. D. Cheney working, uh, working on the board for Enron, <laughs> which is not true. He was, uh, not that I know of. I'm sure he knew all those fucking dudes. I'm sure. I'm but sure. Uh, no, he actually worked for a company called Halliburton. He was uh, the CEO oh, for a company yes. called Halliburton from Halliburton. 95 up until his presidential or vice presidential See, run. Halliburton also, my dad has a few like stainless steel 
fucking, you know, they're they're sleek and professional looking, but they're star- sturdy as hell uh, briefcases made by Halliburton. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's the same Halliburton. Probably. I, I mean, mean, I would imagine. so much stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like TI. I mean, TI owns all sorts of, you know, uh, military and all that kind of stuff, but they also own the calculator that every fifth grader has in their, you know, algebra class. Well, it, they operate through another company called Halliburton Products and Services. Who does? HPS, the company of Halliburton. So they're, they're monetary. Uh, the way they make all their money is they've posted up in the Cayman Islands is what a lot of multinational corporations okay, do. Is yeah, they go to the Cayman Islands because yeah, then yeah, yeah. they can separate their money off and then they can funnel it into private. Yeah. Uh, banking systems, but Halliburton, which was, this is what's real quick. I'll just give you a little quick little thing that was crazy. Yeah. Cause I kind of went down the rabbit hole of Dick Cheney working, uh, with them. You but went down dick hole. I went down the dick hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but during, uh, operation desert storm, which ended in 91. I remember that. Yeah. He, uh, the Pentagon basically, um, who was led by a defense secretary. This is before he freaking worked at Halliburton. Get this. So he's working as defense secretary, um, to HW at the Pentagon. Yes. Yeah. And so he, uh, basically, uh, the first oh, contract no. that was given to <laughs> Halliburton bad already. Yeah. Which was a subsidiary owned by, uh, Halliburton. It was a Brown root service KBR or Kellogg, but they basically were paid eight and a half million dollars to study, to study the use of private military forces alongside American soldiers in combat zones. Halliburton so, was. So they're basically training, uh, these private soldiers alongside American. The Pentagon is paying Halliburton's yes. cost to train their private military alongside Americans, America's public military. Yes. And so Holy the Halliburton, shit. they call them Halliburton crews, also helped bring 725 burning oil wells uh, under control in Kuwait. So during. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say this again. Uh, Halliburton Cruise helped bring tw- 725 burning oil wells under control in Kuwait. 725. Okay, so ironically, I just started watching on HBO last night. Uh, they have a four-part miniseries called House of Saddam. Mm-hmm. The, the, I guess it, I think it came out in 2008. Uh, but I watched the first part last night. It's it's fascinating. You know, I'm 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 fascinated with people's stories because I mean this this particular uh, uh, miniseries seems to be painting him. Uh, you know, in a very relatable kind of way. He's yeah. a family man. He's got, you know, he respects his his family and his mother and his, you know, daughters and everything like that. Um, but by the end of the first part, you know, he's taken power and he's, uh, you know, had people executed. And, and Saddam? He's, Saddam has, yeah. yeah. Well, he was yeah. put there. He was definitely put there. Right. It's definitely not going into the, like, he was put there. He definitely bullied the former president out. But mm-hmm. again, we're seeing this from a, like he's a he's kind of a patriot. He loves Iraq, um, and that's that's why he did it. Which you know is not not Dude. entirely factual, but it's it's it, it, it gives an emotion and it gives you kind of a, an emotional investment into the story they're telling properly. Dude, it's mind blowing to even look into. Like if you ever if anyone listening to this, if you get a chance, dig into Operation Desert Storm and what happened because since then. Because I remember as a little kid, like I was eight years old when my neighbor came home. He worked 
he worked overseas during Desert Storm. But I remember going in and he was showing me all his gear and it was all laid out in his living room, just a shit ton of gear. And I remember him just talking about it and I was like, whoa, this guy worked in Desert Storm. Yeah. But now being an adult and looking at what that actually was and how it was so incorporated in these um, oil companies and these cartel families yeah. that were literally going to seize control of, I mean, come on, you're yeah. an oil company. Yeah. You've got you've got a bunch of burning oil wells going on. I mean, okay. You're going to have a vested interest it, it's in definitely, getting that shit put out. Dude, it's it's crazy. Halliburton ended, ended up merging with a company called Dresser Industries, uh, which included Kellogg, but Prescott Bush was the director. Kellogg, not Kellogg. Like cereal No, not Kellogg. the cereal, no. Okay, it's okay. like a contractor K, engineering K -E -R, company. KBR, whatever it was. KBR. KBR, got yeah. it. So uh, Prescott Bush was uh, a director of- Prescott. Dresser oh Industries. God. Yeah, Prescott. That's funny. I didn't know the existence of Prescott Bush until I watched the uh, the document, well, is it a documentary? The the informative film series Zeitgeist. Yeah, that's Where a documentary first, for sure. Uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, it is a documentary, I guess. He's Great film. It gives you a it, lot of information. The the production value is very misleading. You'll look at it and you'll be like, no, this is some amateur bullshit. But the points being made are very well mm -hmm. well made, I think, and they're 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 intriguing to watch. And you know, the 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 graphics, I'll be honest, the graphics look like something that I could do. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, I would never want, if I was like making a full on documentary, I would never want this to be that. But it was just so important for this guy who made these movies to get this information out. He was like, I have to just make it so easy for people to understand. Yeah. And so he's got these little stick figures with a photo of, of, you know, HW and then Prescott and yeah, it's just gives it's, you the family tree. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's great. It's they're They're all well done. I mean, that movie single-handedly jumpstarted a lot of my own personal interest in looking Minus. into a lot of the, like the world that we're, we grew up living in, which we've talked about this. You're, you're not really supposed to look around the corner behind the curtain. A whole Pay lot. no attention. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yes. But what films like that do is they kickstart your curiosity. Like, well, if that's going on, even though it's, presented sometimes with fear-mongering yeah. practices, which is music that's like really intense, makes you uncomfortable. The very serious voiceovers. It's, that's the hardest part yeah. about anything when you go down the rabbit holes is a lot of the material is someone doing what they know right? and they want to get their emotional, uh, they want to feel what they feel based yeah. on the world they've immersed themselves into and get someone else to understand that. And so they attach a song that it's supposed to conjure this like emotional rising in you to like which again the same with the the house of saddam i mean mm -hmm. that's a storytelling technique that gets you to your 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 viewers or listeners or readers or whatever mm -hmm. to invest in what in the story you're telling dude it's, it's an extension of uh programming it's it's literally one of those things that well is it's, a, used. it's an example of programming well it's it's spawned from all the research people have done to figure out how you sell something to somebody you attach right. music to it you attach right. a certain mood to it yes and anyway but zeitgeist check it out it's We're worth a watch beings it's yes, worth a watch it, it, it is and i you know what i just found out there's a third one uh that i'd oh. like to watch I've seen that one, and then there's Addendum. There's Zeitgeist, there's Zeitgeist Addendum, and now there's Zeitgeist Moving Forward. Oh, I've seen all three of those. Cool. I yeah. have not seen the third one yet. They get better. They the production value gets better. It I does. Still think they. But do I the mean, music they're thing, still but. very much in the same series of films. Which actually, you come to you come to appreciate. You're like, oh yeah, man, I'm watching another Zeitgeist movie. Yeah. You'll sit there and you'll watch this shit. I mean, it's two hours long, and I I remember being so 
taken, so enthralled mm-hmm. by this information. I mean, Joe, my brain exploded yeah. when I watched this movie. And again, I totally tuned out all of the, all of what would you you would consider production value errors yeah. or production value, you know. I mean, it, dude, you know, it, it didn't matter anymore. It didn't matter. So, like, once you expose yourself to some of the information, your brain becomes a receiver of just anything. Because, I mean, that's that's what was happening when I was, I was like, damn it, this whole Dick Cheney thing, I completely fucked that up. It's not. Enron. And so right. when I started looking into uh, to Halliburton, I just kind of ended up going back down that rabbit hole. And it was unbelievable, dude, to see how many times these people buy up and sell and just become umbrellaed under another company yeah. to kind of try to separate themselves from the atrocities that they do. Well, because new face, new you, everybody thinks that, you know, oh, they're not Halliburton. They're, they're you know, Samsonite. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just pulled a name. But it's, you know, if you get bought out by another company or you change your name like that legally and and in public perception, you kind of get a fresh start. No yeah. matter what it is that you're doing, no matter who's running your company and what they've done in the past – people get kind of forgiven for that kind of stuff. Yeah, one of the, uh, I mean, just to kind of tie it back to, like, what can jumpstart you down that path to go, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on in in the world that I'm living in? Because we, you know, that's one thing everyone always grows up trying to figure out is, would you change the world? Would you want to, what would you do growing up? Oh, I would try to make, you know, yeah, Maddie wants out. Oh, I was listening to you. Um, sorry. No, but you try to change the world and um, or you want to change the world because that's what we're taught to do. And so right. you start digging into it. As I was looking, I was like, okay, well, uh, Halliburton merged with Dresser Industries, which was Prescott Bush, which is uh, George H.W. Bush's dad, who also worked at uh, Dresser Industries, which is uh, – which he also founded Zapata Corporation, which is now Harbinger Group. Right, Zapata Corporation was down in the uh, down in Cuba. He was he was helping yeah. run run arms to the Bay of Pigs. Dang, is, is so, what that was. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah, you've yeah. got this. You've got this family who's got so much fucking. Well, wait, money. wait, wait. What did you just say? What What's the company called? Zapata Corporation. Zapata, it's sorry. now Harbinger Group. I, for some reason, I was thinking Zapruder, but I was like, no, it's not. It's it's Zapruder. Yeah, that's that's the Kennedy film. So, anyways, yes. It's now it's called what? I'm sorry. Jeez. Harbinger. I'm sorry, audience. Oh, We're... don't, don't. People love this because they need to know too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Harbinger. It's Har- Harbinger. I guess that's what it is. Harbinger. Harbinger. It's I, Harbinger. I say Harbinger. Yeah, it's Harbinger. Well, group. yeah, because they're Harbingers of death and destruction. And Harbinger means, it, I, I've always assumed it, it's, it's something to do with like uh, a bringer of, you know, you come yes. bearing, you know, you're a harbinger of. Or a heralder of, you're like, you know, calling out, hey, this is what's changing now. Yep. See, I, and I'm learning something today because I didn't know that about Harbinger. Yeah, I think that's what the word, I've always assumed and heard it used in those kinds of contexts. Nice. Hell yeah. So yes, it's uh, basically when, so that's all under the uh, Halliburton or it merged into that world. So it kind of ends up sneaking its way into the dissipated fog of history where now Halliburton's no longer there, but they're in within this... This, these other industries have kind of but swallowed up there. these. Well, they are there. They they still exist. Yeah. But um, Cheney ends up retiring as CEO before he starts his vice presidential run. They gave him $36 million. <gasps> no. His Why? severance package. His severance package. He was he a CEO. Quit. Yeah, he left. He was he leaving. He left voluntarily to pursue a career in politics. Dude. Which he was already doing. They knew he needed the money yeah. to compete Think about it, though. Like, you've got a guy who, and he started working, like, he was going with uh, the son of another dude who worked in the same company. That's what's crazy about it. Like, 
he's the son of Herbert Walker Bush. George Herbert Walker Bush. Yes. So he's running alongside the son of George who worked for Dresser Industries. Yes. Who, uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? He's connect all those dots. And it's mind-blowing, but yeah, it makes sense that he gets $36 million on his way out because there's so much money, uh, and he's going to need it for his next adventure, which is literally becoming a vice president 9/11. and causing awe, dude. I mean, that's the next adventure. Dive into that stuff. The The freaking uh, Deepwater Horizon oil spill real quick, the BP oil spill, was directly uh, Not- in relation to Halliburton. They were behind that, the reasoning no behind that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, basically caused by hydrocarbons leaking into the the well, which mixed in with their unstable cement mixture, which um, it was just mismanaged. And it ended up exploding and uh, basically killed 11 people. It was leaking for 87 days. Yes, I remember this. It was leaking for a long time. It was like this live camera thing that we'd have going I was just, I was blown away. I was blown away at how much oil is just pouring into the ocean. 200 million gallons. I mean, is it cleaned up by this point? I mean, well, I mean, it's as of 2012, there were still some coastlines being affected by it. So it was, I mean, 16,000 miles of coastline were affected. I'm sorry. Uh, This was in 2010. 2010. Yeah. Okay. Right. Golly. Yeah. And so the, I remember where I was. That's 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 the crazy part. Is is how many years ago that was, and yet it was only five years ago. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's these oil cartels that literally own all these conglomerate companies. Like one of the major companies that was at fault for that was a company called Transocean, and it states that they're a Swiss company, but they're not because they are formerly another company called Sonnet, which was an American American company. And wow. so, yeah, it's like they just buy up another company and then they house themselves as a foreign company and try to disperse the, uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm sure it's just a, the best deal at the time. They're figuring out a way to, you know, get around the system and create disperse new laws. Disperse their, affet, their assets. As, yeah, definitely. Like going to the Cayman yeah. Islands to, dis, to essentially be able to launder your money out, to, out of the States. Right. I mean, think about it. These companies came from Texas. And none of their money is staying in Texas right. besides this f- fraction to run their operations. Everything else, they're funneling it off into other places. Um, it's <laughs> mind-blowing, dude. It's <coughs> there, was a, there was a concept introduced to me, which really hasn't been introduced to me. It was just explained to me very directly a, f- a week or so ago uh, of profit stabilization. And it's kind of that mindset, as, as I understood it, it was kind of that mindset of companies and corporations, as soon as they see profits start to even out, and they're like making all this profit, all this profit, all this profit, but it's staying kind of the same amount of profit. They're like, oh, it's not good enough. We got to make more. Yeah, we somebody comes more. in one morning with a coffee. Hmm. <laughs> what if we made yeah. more? <laughs> These graphs are cool and all, but they look a little too flat. I think we want, might want to see what it looks like up here. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I just, that those kinds of things I don't understand. I I do understand it because as a human, I, I've been conditioned to be very greedy, very like I want gimme, 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 um, which I'm I'm actively trying to combat. And so that it comes with being like some sort of awakeness and some sort of, of me understanding what it is that I'm looking at and what it is that I'm being taught to feel. And yet all these other companies are doing the exact same thing. They're encouraging us by example. Um, and they're doing it behind closed doors. Well, it's just mind blowing to think because I mean, there's a side of me that always thinks, yeah, okay, that is the natural thing you do as a company is you've got to keep growing. Why? But then you, well, 
because that's what you're taught to do. It doesn't that's make exactly it right. That's exactly it. That's well, that's my the, point. I know. And that's, that's what's funny is people don't really understand the repercussions of growth. Like if you are, if you're a corporation and all of a sudden, because we're doing Elf Tree Media, as a company starts growing, that does become, especially when they're uh, publicly traded on the stock market, now you're um, completely beholden to the stockholders, you know, all the people who have their vested money into your company. And so you have to make more money. And these companies just make so... That's the the part I don't understand. Like if everybody's making their money, especially their money back, Mm -hmm. but then also making the percentages they're owed of what the company makes, why are we, why are people who own that company and run that company and produce for that company beholden to make them increasingly richer? Well, I think at the top, what really happens is because, Ian, all of a sudden, if you keep growing, then you can buy out that industry, you can buy out that industry, and then you can completely control the markets. You can own all the industries. And that's what's happened. That really is what's happened. And that's why we continue to see this erratic behavior is the markets have been bought Mm. out and everyone else is just trying to figure out how to keep up. And it's just created this perpetual chaos insanity, honestly. How quickly, how quickly do you think it could happen if, if one day people just woke up and they're like, we're not, we're done. And just, you know, Mm. let's just say in the nugget of the idea that will catch on happens tomorrow and it will spread like wildfire the same way that anything through social media does. How long do you think it would take for everybody to buy into it and then for it to actually topple this ridiculous human pyramid that's being built? I don't and know. And we are all the base of. You know, I, I know it's already happening. I mean, that's the thing that's been so exciting, just kind of digging into this stuff, Yeah, is I find so many people are talking about it, and they're talking about larger chunks of information that took years to find and actually understand now people are getting it so quickly because yeah. everyone's everyone's become a damn researcher like bloggers podcasters like people out there are trying to figure out what's going on so as you get more information you just start sharing it right and then someone else listens to your show and they're like i know all this about it you start linking all these dots so quickly it is the network it's the larger network of our consciousness and yeah. people being connected that way I don't know. I mean, I do think it's happening within the last five years of researching and being awake, I'd say, quote unquote awake. I still don't know a lot yeah. of things. Well, I mean, dude, but you I have know, no you're, idea. You are at least, you're at least searching. I'm aware them. of what runs our financial industry today. Like what we, what we see as like what you learn in economics class in high school and then college, they're lying to people. They're not telling people how to solve the problem. At right, all. right, and that's the that's just the most mind blowing thing to me, is that that is even real. You see a Ponzi scheme going on, and and colleges aren't even trying to f- teach kids how to figure it out or how to solve that problem. You know, well, it's it's you know what maybe I, they are. I don't know now. I, I haven't been to school in. Dude, I, I dropped out in twenty two thousand four. But you're well enough aware of what it was like in two thousand and four, dude. I mean, it's it's not going to have gotten any better. And I, I mean, I think we know this. Yeah, but thinking about everything that's happened since 2004 to now, just that alone, financially, to wars, all this stuff, 
there's been so much more um, information dumped into the whole basket. People are connecting so many dots. That's what, what was crazy about going through this Halliburton thing is I'm connecting dots that I forgot about. Yeah. And there are things that are literally, if you just lay them all out, like you were laying them on as a timetable on your, on your floor. Yeah. It would, it's literally solves itself. When you have a question about why are we in Iraq? What's the war? You know, what it was desert storm. And then you see all the financial moves that all these corporations were doing around that time before that time. It's all in plain sight, dude. It, I mean, that's the thing. You, you don't understand what's going on. It's, it's, it's actually the very definition of you can't see the woods for the trees. You can't really tell what's going on until you are able to go back and look at 50 years of what's happened in our country. Or, you know, <clears throat> it's even like with, with any sort of marketing change that a company makes. Um, for as far as our podcasts go, I was encouraged um, if we ever decide to make a marketing change, give it three months at least three to six months to actually see what kind of change it is that you're making. Because one day you might get 200 new new listeners. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, this is so great. And then for the next 15 days, you might, you know, only have 10 new listeners. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's not, but you have to kind of see what it is from a whole bird's eye view. And you can't ever yep. do that until you've got a, a, a stretch of time that you're actually Well, it's like we're sitting here right now looking at what we know right now. And in 10 years, dude, what's going on right now will be clear as far as what is to come in the future. Like if this stuff is to be actually fixed by humanity, yeah. within 10 years, we're going to know whether or not it's just over, like yeah. really, because we're in this very, I feel like we're in a very critical spot right now with people losing all their rights. Like right now they want to make it mandatory for people to have vaccinations. Yeah. And what the hell is that? Yeah, I don't know. That's, everybody should be able to choose whether they I mean, want vaccination. Dude. It should be mandatory that vaccinations are provided. Well, the second you do that, yes, right. Having, yes. having the option. Yes. But the second you force people against their will... Uh, to tell their kids what they are going to be receiving in their body yes. when it's been proven that right. autism and other freaking diseases have spawned from the vaccinations. Right. doesn't mean everybody gets it, right. but thousands do. Yeah. And what is that? Yeah. You know, it's like looking into... You know what it is. It's all a result of all the marketing, all the research, everything that they've been trying to uh, figure out how to sell us stuff. You just said people being forced to get vaccinations against their will. How do you change that? You change their will. Yeah. You make it desirable to get mm. these vaccinations. Therefore, it doesn't, it might not even matter if it's mandatory. You make it mandatory for those people that are on the fence about it so that they, they'll just do it and shut up. But that's the thing is it's, it is offered. I mean, you can go get a, va you can get a vaccination for 10 bucks, 15 bucks at a CVS. And it's like, they're just, it's like, uh, it's a massive deceptive little thing that is it ingrains itself in your head and all of a sudden people accept okay well you know it does make sense because there are a lot of diseases out there and i want my kids to be healthy because we're taught to believe if you get your vaccination you're going to be healthy when it's not really true you're yeah. injecting an actual i mean i know that's what that's the uh, that's the selling point of it is yeah you put that a little minute yeah, pieces yeah, of the yeah, bacteria in your body right. and it builds a defensive mechanism, you know, the rest of your cells build a defensive mechanism it, it, against it, that, those yeah. specific cells or bacteria, whatever. Right. But it's crazy to me to think, well, it's like a why shot. are you injecting something that was not in your body? Yeah. 
when you just have the choice to maybe come across it just and then deal with it. You know what the implication of of especially mandatory vaccinations are, but vaccinations in general, the implication to me is we live in a world in which all these things now exist. And in case you you you'd better get these vaccinations or else. So it's I'm just thinking to myself, so shouldn't I shouldn't I already be able to to live without these vaccinations? Why are we living here then? You know, why if we move to a different part of the country, I mean, Martin, uh, my roommate does not, I, he does not know how to process gluten. He's, he's developed a gluten intolerance in the five years he's been here because he never had any problems with grain or wheats or anything like that when he was in, when he was in England. What does he know what he thinks is causing it? Like the pollution or like something? I, in the, he just, it's, the water? it's whatever's, no, it's what's in the food. He's whatever is in the food is literally causing him to, to have developed this this intolerance to uh, yeah, it gets really something sick. that's in it's in wheat it's in the grains it's in most of these grains and stuff that everybody grows and uses and and you know you have breads and just everything and suddenly in five years I mean he's he's you know in his forties so he's not somebody who's new to eating bread yeah you know it's not like he's a, a seven year old that gets these violent vomiting fits because, you know, I mean, it's like something like that. You're like, okay, you might've been born with a yeah. gluten intolerance. I mean, dude, that, I mean, it, it's all under the same umbrella of you. He has a choice. So he had to recognize, oh, this is terrible food. Yes. His body doesn't like it. So now he's chosen to eat this certain way, just like people should have the choice to put diseases in their body or not. People should have a choice to believe in capitalism or think it's been a parasitic freaking virus that's yeah. taken over everyone's mentality and everybody's pocketbooks dude it's I mean, insane we, man you and i went and we were looking at some some like frozen pizzas to take to this to take this uh no we weren't the, we, we wouldn't the, buy that shit we do we, we just we browsed <laughs> we browsed we passed them by though um we ended up passing them by it was uh gosh what was i what was the point of my story choice oh gluten-free oh yes gluten-free little mini pizzas 10 inches, what would you say, 8 inches across? You know, something yeah. like that? Seven and a half dollars. Yeah, it was tiny. Seven and a half dollars. I, I don't pay seven and a half dollars for a large pizza at Little Caesars. It's because their pizza is absolute garbage. Well, I mean, but still, that's just <laughs> it. I mean, companies, you, at Pizza Hut, you're not going to pay seven forty nine for an 8-inch little personal thing that's gluten-free. Yeah, you know, that's it's, true. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, I, I don't understand... We live in a world where the healthier option for the human being is yes. the more expensive and but more Martin's, unattainable. Martin has had to make that choice because if he doesn't, his body does not like the the cheaper, easier, mass-produced options that are thrust in everybody's faces. I mean, it's dude, this is just people making it happen, and it really is just choices. It's what people literally come up with out of their own mind and make this, the concept everyone must follow. And that is dangerous shit. Yeah. So do I believe people soon will wake up from this mirage that's been set before them? I do think people are waking up. I'm awake to it. I know what's going on. Yeah. I'm making different choices from here forward about what I do. doesn't mean I don't have a, uh, you know, I don't struggle trying to fight the urge to these programmed behaviors that are still buried within my consciousness, my right. subconscious. Well, they're all, they're always going to be there. 
Maybe, it's like imprinting. Maybe. But I mean, that's I also believe just as much as you can overwrite that data. We're a computer. If okay, our heads are right. literally just, it's figuring out a way to overwrite the data. It's like when you delete your trash can on your computer. Yeah. You don't really delete anything. It just shuffles things around in a coded thing. Yeah. And so it opens up those particular bytes for over for for rewriting. Exactly. So at a certain point, yes, you do end up erasing the data right. that was there, but only when you start to fill up your entire hard drive. But it's a it replace start- zero and one. It's still there. It's right. still a, a fragment. So I think our brains are the same way. Like you can replace like there's things I no longer believe in that I was completely um a freaking slave to. Yeah, yeah. I thought about things. I, I, def- I'd stop befriending people because they were, they would think this way. Like there was seasons of my life where I was just in this observational, I'm believing certain things and I feel them because I want to find the truth. And yeah. these people are telling me this is the truth. And you end up literally building walls around yourself that ping other people away from you. Yeah. And I think ultimately, man, like we are in a time where this kind of shit is coming so quickly. People are bird's eye viewing yeah. life. Well, the dots are being connected, and I think it's it is easier lead to. to. I mean, you, everybody on Facebook, you know, you'll see at the end of the year, come the last, you know, couple weeks of December, you'll start seeing year in review videos yeah. posted everywhere, and so you can kind of think back, and you're, it does kind of put it into perspective how quickly everything goes by you while it's going by you. But then even at the end of the year, you take a look back at what happened in 2015 and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize. Like we literally saw gas prices go from this to this in a year. Like it's, it's, it's all those kinds of things that, you know, every day I need to go get gas. I'm just like, where's the cheapest for me right now? And you see all the uh, corporate political moves that cause that to fall on your shoulders. Yeah, it does. So all of a sudden you're like, in a world where these people are rolling around in their oil riches, they end up playing the market against the people who are working to feed the the demons at yeah. the top of this fucking thing, yeah, whatever yeah. they are. I don't know. But it is one of those things. It's like, I mean, it is just a concept. It's just a thought. And yes, people have the ability to... Change, make it reality. Mm-hmm. Oh right. yeah, but that's just it. As much as as much as any of these thoughts of you know training, somebody thought up. Hey, I bet you we could get the Pentagon to pay for our private military to be trained alongside their public military, and we won't have to pay a dime. Yeah, somebody thought that, and then Halliburton made it happen. I mean, it just literally then was materialized and happened. The same way we can think. Hey, uh, we're absolutely not going to do this anymore. We're not going to take it. I mean, we did. My my sister-in-law and I, we all switched over to our uh to you know, our new cell phone carrier, you know, because we did not want to continue to contribute to AT&T. Yeah. You know, um thoughts can become reality. Yeah. I mean, it's no wonder people start like creating those tulpas, like, you know, that story I was telling you last week. Oh, like yeah, people create, you know, did you ever have an imaginary friend? Um, no, not a specific friend. Yeah. But I did have many instances of seeing people that weren't there, that weren't there. I don't know what that was. You did? Yeah, like little moments where I was like, hmm. I knew someone was there. Interesting. And then when I look over, they're not there. Like Interesting. I just, stuff like that. I don't I mean, really know what to make like of it. Things like that. But. I mean, those are, those, I would, I would chalk those up to, you know, you've got perceptions, you've got things that you've attuned in your, in your head. You're perceiving certain things for split you know, glimpses of moments and stuff like that, whether you're supposed to or not, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, people that can see those things 
are seeing things they're t- kind of not supposed to be seeing yeah. in certain senses, you right, know, you right. know, on, on certain planes, dimensions, whatever you want to call and it. When you're a kid, you're more receptive to everything because you're learning at all times. So your our brains what, work a little bit differently. Yeah. You're time. learning what's, what's your reality. What's not your reality maybe i don't know I mean, but i don't like have that. any idea do you did you have one because i i might ask my parents my parents <laughs> my parents told me about this this character this guy that lived in the attic named oh. henry so we had two attics we had one attic above the garage which did was you tell like me about big, this i don't think so i don't i don't know that i've thought of henry in Dude, this in is, fucking years oh shit let's get into it so uh we had our main attic, which is above our garage, and so it's where most of our stuff went. And then there was a kind of a, a separate, smaller attic upstairs behind this, you know, it's just this little door. And it was, you know, a short door, so you go in, and we would usually keep, I don't know, things that we're not going to need to pull down, like Christmas ornaments or things like that. We'd put those kind of back there a little yeah. bit. But the air conditioning unit was up there and, you know, all those kinds of things. So it needed just access. Henry lived in there. Oh, my God. Henry lived in that closet. Was in Henry, that attic, what was Henry like? What was his personality? I don't know. I don't remember. And I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious to ask my parents about it and kind of, because uh, this is all happening when I'm, you know, two and three years old, maybe, you know, and he's still somebody that we mention, you know, when I'm six and eight and 10, you know, like, oh, you remember Henry, blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I don't have active memories of who Henry was. But I mean, as far as I, as far as I can imagine he was probably just a guy like me that I turned out to be. Like I, I would imagine me in my purple shirt and jeans <laughs> being Henry. I'll just like walk out and be like, "What's up, little Ian?" Yeah, you exactly, don't walk yeah. out like that. That if I were to try and guess who I would project as a Henry as of right now, that'd probably be who it is. Me, which right is now. trippy to think about because right now you are physically in your own mem- mental memory. Yeah, you're picturing yourself as Henry. I am seeing your. Tulpa self. That's weird. As your younger self. Well, uh, almost in this yeah, limbo zone, you know, between memories. Yeah. Like I would be my Tulpa. Dude, that's trippy. That would be weird. That would be really weird. But that's, I mean, that, that essentially, I mean, that essentially is what a Tulpa is, is you craft your own, it's an inner monologue. It's a parallel uh, consciousness of yourself or another character that you create do you know that there's a word there's like an actual term for creating a tulpa you know the the actual process people go through what is this it's called forcing oh it's that's a, like rape for, oh yeah they're they're forcing <laughs> um forcing is any act of tulpa mincy. many people consider forcing a meditation style activity projecting oneself into a wonderland to develop or interact with a tulpa forcing can be any active interaction with a tulpa with or without the use of a wonderland so essentially forcing can either be active or passive and it actively you're kind of like it's i guess it would be meditation you know some form of meditation you go to your wonderland your your place where you and this tulpa kind of interact and reside your body is wonderland yeah yeah um with your tulpa passive forcing Oh, that's active forcing. So you're kind of like most of your energy, most of your thought energy is going into being in this this zone with your tulpa and like visualizing and seeing him and like kind of crafting him with your thoughts actively. Uh, passive forcing is where you're kind of going through your day, you're at work and everything, but you might narrate to nobody. Interesting. But to your tulpa. You're like, you know, God damn it. I wish the fucking... Lettuce hadn't been rotten. I was really looking forward to a salad today. 
So is that yeah. you literally creating a tulpa or is that just, is it, because it sounds like inner monologue, like almost something you think about. Cause when you were mentioning the previous one active. where you see yourself active forcing. Yeah. yeah. It's like whenever, like what's your future, Ian, what yeah. do you want to be doing? So you see yourself standing in a room yep. or you see yourself around a certain environment. Yep. So is that you crafting yourself in, are we all a tulpa? Are we just a tulpa of ourselves? Yes, kind of. I mean, no, not, not traditionally, <laughs> not traditionally, no, but, sit down. but, but think about it, think about it, think about it. When we're a kid, mm-hmm. we've got elements of our personality that are raw elements of our personality. Yeah. And over the years growing up, we have crafted our personality into the one that, that we kind of envision in our head as us is us. And so the, it's, it's that well, you have your dreams it's, it's of like, what sense, do you want to be? It's the sense of crafting a personality and embodying it. I don't, that's not necessarily being a tulpa, but it's, it's, it's kind of a way to kind of grasp onto the idea, grasp onto the concept of what it is that we're doing. Yeah. Hey, can I uh, interrupt you a little bit? Like, I think we might need to reload another bowl. Yeah. Do we have a commercial we can play for anybody? Yeah, that's badass. Let's do it. Do you find yourself dozing off at work? Do you find yourself getting lost in an abyss of your own thoughts? Well, let me tell you something. That's badass. That's badass. That's badass. That's badass. That's badass. Oh, hey, baby, that's badass. Yeah. Um, yeah, tune into my show, The Millie McCormick Listening Hour. Only on the Oak Street Podcast Network. Okay, so talking about tulpas, for one, dude, like thinking about a childhood friend, I think that's why it makes such a good horror movie, is when kids have their own little tulpic fig, tulpa figure that is literally their own imagined character, or is it? And that's well, what's crazy about Henry, dude. It's like, what if you went in there one night? Who? And all. Henry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, did you ever imagine, like, what if all of a sudden you went in there and then, like, the door slammed behind you, that little tiny door, and you just hear Henry just, like, sitting there, but it's actually you sitting in the corner I, smoking a bowl? I <laughs> See, I don't know. I I definitely imagined that Henry, like, Henry physically <laughs> lived up there. He was a presence. He was a presence in my mind. Older there, Ian. There could be something in that attic. Future like, that Ian. I just don't see. Future Ian. Other dimension Ian. Um, it's, it's like my grandpa, he used to, <laughs> he used to, uh, mention that he would have, he used to have a wolf. He called it the wolf. Cause you know, he was, he was, he was from Texas. That's what dogs do. Like though. it's the wolf. Woof, woof. No, no, no. The wolf's going to get you. Oh shit. Yeah. The wolf. <laughs> it's like, Oh shit. That is scary. Um, but you know, the wolf lived in, in, uh, it lived in a, a trunk in their bedroom and, uh, you know, it was, again, just a mental image he put in our heads. He never, he never, like, he had this one, Sleep like, tight. faux fur. <laughs> he had this one faux fur once that he, I think he threw on me and my brother. We were, like, we were getting to be, like, 14. You know, we were kind of starting to call him out on his bullshit at this point. Uh, but my sisters hilarious. were still really young, so we didn't ever really do it big. But, you know, he he would, like, do those kinds of things. There was one time he... uh he said in the summer or in the winter he would keep it in the attic, and uh, one time we were getting the uh, the pull the blow up mattress down from the attic, and my dad's up in the attic. He's handing it down to me, and suddenly we hear from back there, woo, 
we fucking hear the wolf. You know, it's just just this thing. He put some energy nice. into creating yeah. this, this entity for us as kids that it was kind of like interesting, oh, dude. Those he are the did. kinds of things, you know. I anybody will say what they will about my grandpa at this point, because you know, he might not have been the greatest human being, but those kinds of things are what I kept and took away yeah. from from you know my time with him. So you know I, I'm I'm glad I have those those thoughts. He created a story for you guys that he followed through with. <laughs> yes, until you were no and longer you know willing what? to take it. The wolf got me. I'm <laughs> oh. and it's in a sense of um, I just came back from Dallas, and by just I mean like a month and a half ago. Why didn't you cry wolf? Uh, well. Uh, what? I know. I know. I did. I had nothing. I had nothing. I had no comeback for that. I was going to podcast movement. I had to get up early. It was still dark. I got up, showered. Um, you know, I was staying in my parents' house. My parents had this like massive like party shower. I was like, shit, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna like shower in here. So I showered in there. They were gone. They were in Florida still. So it was just me in the house. And I turned the light off because I'm like, okay, I can see how to get out of the bedroom mm-hmm. from here. I can make a beeline towards this door. I know where yep. it is. So I go and I walk straight into this trunk oh. that was my grandparents' trunk. You know, when they, they sold the house, my my dad got this trunk that was in my grandparents' room. And it was the wolf's trunk. Oh, my God, I dude. ran into it so hard. And, like, right here, in, in my, the meat of my leg, I hit it so hard. Dude, that's crazy. That was the wolf I almost getting collapsed. back it was. at you it for, was. for getting him. It was. That was, see, so energy was created. That trunk will always be the wolf's trunk, so there will always be that energy uh, associated wow. with it. And so it it jumped out, and it it made its presence known to me. It was just it was it was odd. It was an odd little circumstance, dude. But so he created a tulpa. That's what he did. Essentially, yes, he because- created, and and we as the kids who he created it for continued the 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 energy flow into it because again, like I said, that trunk will always be the wolf trunk. Oh, that's so and, creepy, and it's it's. It's funny. They should it's, get rid of that demon thing. They should burn know. it I in mean, the forest. See, those kinds of things, you know, those, uh, is that what a haunting is? Is it just somebody has poured so much energy into keeping somebody around or blah, blah, you know, that it's just the the energy's in the air. It's well, in what's crazy this, is this what sense. does the wolf look like to your grandfather? What did that look like in his head, you know? know? I don't know. So imagine just... That's the thing is you see we see horror movies and yeah. these characters are always terrifying but someone crafted that out of their own mental image. So just like Jason, Freddy Krueger, Hellraiser, you know all that shit. Yeah, think about it. All these horror movies are literally someone's tulpa on a screen that now terrify you as a person. Yes. That's some witchcrafty ass shit. Right, right, exactly. This sorry, this is blowing my mind right now. I'm just thinking of the the gravity of how many tulpa people oh, are creating. Oh man, did you say Freddy Krueger? Yes, dude. Uh, R.I.P. Wes Craven. Oh he, yeah, I know that's yeah. that's it's pretty close. We'll just we'll give a little shout out to Wes Craven. Yeah, but he was great. So uh, a, a friend of ours, Jennifer. Uh, shout out Snarknado. Shout I don't out Snarky. I don't know what her name is on on Twitter at this moment, but. Um, she, I believe it was her, was watching uh, Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street, and really? fell asleep. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you fell asleep. During the movie that is about a killer who kills you if you fall asleep, it's just the irony. I mean, that's the thing is, but she's into all that dark shit, so it doesn't even phase her, I'm sure. No, it doesn't. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't. Sexy Chupacabra, but it's uh, (laughs) at Jennifer Wilcut. There it is. On uh, Twitter. On Twitter. Go check her out. Go follow her. She is an insane tweeter. So enjoy all of uh, that she has to offer because it's it's funny. It's a wild ride. It is. It's an interesting little timeline. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, dude, I just found this little thing. Uh, Western con- the wa- Western concept of tulpa began its life with Western studies of Tibetan Buddhism, referred to as yeah the the posers. the po- oh. yeah exactly we're all <laughs> referred to as what uh, also referred to as nirmana, which is to construct something. Okay. So okay. anyway, they think it was brought to the attention of the Western world via Alexandra David Neal's 1929 book Magical and Mystery in Tibet. So Nir- nirmana nirmana mm-hmm. means what? To create? To construct. To construct. So essentially, a motto, your motto could be Nirmana Nirvana. Elf Street Podcast Network, Nirmana. Nirmana Nirvana. Yeah, because exactly. You're, you, that would mean to construct your, what is, what is Nirvana? Your, your bliss. Your bliss, your essential oneness with Your spiritual yourself. zone. Yes, right? Yeah. Copyright, Dude, bitches. Copyright, Nirmana Verna. That's, joking. can't even goddamn say it. I know. Nirvana, uh, it's going to be Nirvana. our bumper sticker, our official. When we when we have merch, our, yes. our bumper sticker is going to be Nirvana Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even believe it. That's, That's amazing. That's All right. Funny. Hopefully um, we'll have those in the uh, Elf Tree Media store at some point, which, no, probably not. I've told people about Tulpas. I've talked to a couple of people, and they, they mention poltergeists as being something very similar. Um, but everything that they always mention is is talking about how it's attracted to negative energy, which I get. It's a very mischievous kind of supernatural spirit kind of thing. Um, but I I kind of I see the distinct difference between that and the tulpa being something that a human being has created just by the mere power of thought. You're creating something that is not there. You're not attracting something. Yeah. Um. You're not like creating a conduit for a spirit to come in. You're literally creating a personality that at some point through the very outpouring of your own energy can take on characteristics of its own. And, yeah. and I don't exactly know kind of what that means. You know, I, I don't think it means that you can literally create something that is physically standing there in front of me like you are right now. But that's what they say you can do, right? With a tulpa, I, I, it can be I a physical. Suppose, but I mean, I again, I have not read deep enough into it to actually see physical accounts. A lot of the stuff that I've read and 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 experienced, not experienced, but, you know, kind of read through people's experiences are that things, spirits, entities, or whatever, the tulpa that they are creating are interacting with the the human world and making those things happen. Like, you know, uh, the tulpa doesn't want you to go anywhere, so it, like, makes your key break off in the lock or makes oh, your, your thing, you know, like... It makes can, you run inter- into a freaking wolf's chest. Yes, right, exactly. Something wanted me... It. I thought about it all weekend long because, I. I mean, it... It did not bruise, which was unfortunate because I would have loved a killer, like, gnarly bruise. Yeah. Um, You're a masochist. But I couldn't sit down. I couldn't sit down for five days without feeling just this, oh, this agonizing pain yeah. in, in my thigh. Oh, dude. Um, and, yeah, so it was it, the wolf's bite. It did. It did interact with me for a few days. I mean, I I actively thought of the wolf for the that whole period of time. So and that's this, what it's, did this happen before you were at Podfest where you're walking around on it on your leg? Yes. Oh damn. Um, yes, this was the the morning I I'd been in Texas two days, and this was the morning I was going to go to the convention center in Fort Worth, an hour and a half away. Uh, and then later that night, I was going to stay at a hotel 
And so I was leaving for four days uh, to go to this podcast thing. So this was its way of saying goodbye. Dude, no. The wolf's bite was like, there's nothing you can pursue that I won't be alongside you. Right. He took a bite out of you right. and was at PodFest. I mean, my parents are probably going to leave that to me <laughs> oh, when God, they, when they uh, you know, in the will. Oh, my God. Can you imagine opening it up one day and it's just a hacked up wolf? Just or, like, or, yeah, I was going to say like an old skeleton. Like, oh, an old, like It really is a wolf in there. That's so disturbing I, To be right fair, now. I don't know that I've ever seen it inside it really i don't think so ian is this like a yeah i don't know deep-rooted fear to open the lid i'm pretty sure that the my parents have put like extra sheets and pillows and stuff in there like anybody would put at the trunk at the end of their bed you know stuff for the bed um but i don't know that i've ever actually seen inside the trunk where do you think the fur is that your grandpa had (laughs) i don't i think it was probably one of my grandmother's furs could it be inside that trunk no, if it was one of my grandmother's fur coats, no, not not now. They sold all of those when when they sold the house. So I at least, or did they? Or did they? Dude, <laughs> right? that'd be badass. See? Yeah, yeah. To write a movie about your uh, tulpa, uh, Henry. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to. I'd have to the think wolf. about it. I'd have to. I'd have to consider. Well, I mean, Henry's pet wolf. What if he? Oh my god! Shit! Are you serious? What? Oh, did you say you said pet wolf or part wolf? I was no, I was saying Henry's pet wolf. Oh, I heard part wolf. Oh. I was going to say that's Ian. That's oh. terrifying. No, he couldn't be part wolf because he was always at my house. He was always Henry was always at my house while the wolf was at at my grandparents' house. Oh, okay. but now that the wolf and Henry, because Henry Henry was in my gra- my parents' house, even though I was the only one that saw him. Wow. So I wonder if Henry has moved with my parents. What if the wolf got Henry? That's why you well. God, Henry, I was thinking like the wolf is now, you know, Henry's pet, like Sirius Black, like, you know. Or Henry knew that you were fading from his life because you're growing older. So he had to jump into the wolf and he became the wolf. So he transferred his energy. That's why the wolf bit me. I do wonder where that, or, I mean, that'd be fascinating to find out. Why did you ever come up with the wolf? Like, where did that come from? I, Just to I, get his personal, like, did his dad do it? That would have been it nice. something that he heard of? Like, where did he f- decide to do this? I'll ask my grandmother. I'll ask my grandmother, like, if, if, he, if she recalls the origin of the wolf. It's like, fascinating, Was it something dude. he actively did, or was it just something he just did one day? And then every time we were around, he just did it, but that was it, you know, like. I mean. I don't know. I don't know. He literally maintained his own legend he did. for you guys, which is badass. Until he died. I mean, he always he always held fast that there was a wolf. A wolf. A wolf. <laughs> um, Dude. Okay. So I was looking a little bit into this shit right now. Yeah. Slender Man. Do you know Slender Man? I've heard of Slender Man. Okay. Well, it's digital folklore, which is it derived from the internet. Someone created this legend of Slender Man through the digital like a meme? Yeah, it became known through uh, the computer. In 2009, this guy, uh, Eric Knudsen, Knudsen, K-N-U-D-S-E-N, a.k.a. Victor Surge, uh, he created... Is that uh, like his username? Yeah, yeah. Victor Surge? Yeah, on this uh, blog comedy site, he created, it's called Something Awful, but he created this Slender Man character. which was uh, basically it's a it's a this dude commonly feature him stalking, abducting, and traumatizing people, particularly children. So Slenderman is like this skinny, faceless, dark creature that you would see in the shadows. Looks and, like a uh, man. Yes, and he's is he usually like wearing tails? He's usually wearing like a like a tuxedo. 
Yes, well, he's got like a Some tentacle-like sort of arms. He's got oh. tentacle-like arms. He's unnaturally long. Um, he's he just tall. Does and he skinny. have a hat on? Um, I, yes, he appears to be wearing a dark suit and a tie. Dark so suit and tie. That can okay, include okay. a hat, maybe a fedora. He's rocking. Oh, well, a fedora. I was thinking like a like a stovepipe hat, like a oh, that'd be badass. Lincoln, yeah. like a, oh, okay. I mean, what about a just, zoot suit kind of hat? Yeah, see that for me that in the design of that kind of thing, if I was creating the Slender Man. I would make everything as slender as possible, so the the suit is very form fitting to his yeah. like lanky body, and then you know his face is very you know slender and everything, and then he's got this fucking tall oh, ass yeah. you know stovepipe top hat. I mean, you got you easily have somebody that's twelve feet tall. I like feel a, though a I'd be like I'd be like, bro, you're an entity. Why the hell are you dressed in anything? You should be naked right now, running around. Us <laughs> humans are the only fools that are wearing clothing because we can't handle. Uh, being naked. I thought in front of about each other. that the other day too. I was like, man, if suddenly somebody just decreed in their entire country clothes are optional, and everybody decided, fuck yes, I'm going to go naked. It would be weird for a week until, uh, and then you know, would it just become normal? I mean, I'm people sure people would stop popping boners at everything. You <laughs> well, know? you become aware of it a little bit, you right? Know, in certain environments you know if you're sitting at the dmv and you're like yeah there's nothing sexual about going into the the locker room and seeing a bunch of naked dudes so why do i think it'd be any weirder to go into the grocery store and see naked dudes well people aren't very comfortable with their bodies so that's a whole obstacle you know it's It's like even if people are allowed to do that there's so many people that are just completely uncomfortable with their body myself included a little bit you think slender man's comfortable with his body um well it's just weird it's like you think he could stand up to to gain a few pounds I think Slenderman, no, I think if he's healthy, if he's running around, he's able to, you know, well, make a debut to, and everyone's He's able to terrorize fears. kids. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, I I don't know. I, I do think it's funny. It does kind of dismantle yeah. that as ever being a reality of something. It's like, why would a figure in a whole different dimensional world be completely imprisoned by its thoughts on having to wear clothing and impress people in clothing. Unless they don't want to freak out a human, they want I was going to say maybe perhaps it's perhaps it's for the benefit of the audience. I mean, you can't necessarily come and be something in a form that yeah. your your audience can't even fathom. Yeah, that's You might true. have to to kind of, you know, because nobody's going to trust the tall slender naked man. Well, I mean, what if <laughs> he know? was slender but he didn't have balls or anything or dick? It was just like just a bulge. You're like, yeah, it was just like it's just a bulge. And then so a there's gray, no though? No one knows, you know. No Anyways, I mean, this on. is again, this is a human being that has yep. created this entity. So, the easiest explanation is that a human decided to put clothes on him. Victor Serge, <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with you, so Victor? That should have been the naked. Right answer. He should have been naked. Well, Slenderman from so, here forward is so naked. like he got he got really really popular. Our yeah. Slenderman can be naked. He should definitely be naked. Maybe like a gray. You know. Well, we can we can put him in we can put him in a a, a lycra bodysuit. Perfect. Okay. Um, he's going to look like the Greendale human being, actually. Did you ever watch Community? Uh, I did the first season, I believe. Very, like. very absurd show about a community college, but their school mascot <clears throat> is essentially um, a gray, faceless human being. Like, it's oh. it's just this form figure, somebody in a lycra bodysuit, like, fa- you know, full face mask and everything, so he's got no features, but they drew eyes and a smiley face. It's just funny. This particular, you know, um, so yeah, that kind of a bodysuit. Well, what about what uh, Penguin wore in Batman? What did he have on? Ooh, I mean, that's like a onesie. He could wear a onesie. 
you know. He could be wearing a onesie. He could be wearing he could be wearing long johns. What about that thing that uh, Borat was wearing? The thing that Borat wore? <laughs> yeah, when Borat had the, his little his little his, his little, little panty suit speedo bikini <laughs> yeah, thing. Dude. Yeah, that was it so just weird. barely covered up his junk, but you could see the freaking bushel forest falling yeah. out of Ooh, the edges. Ah, I couldn't finish the movie. So this is something this online guy created, and and it just kind of took off in popularity. Like what happened? Yeah, he just created Slenderman, and it became. I guess it kind of morphed into people's own. I mean, it's like any nightmare. You watch the Jason movies became yeah. like, like well, anytime you started go doing fan fiction, people picked mm-hmm. up on it. People started, you know, the Slender Man started showing up in their their works of art. You know, people would just create something. And they put the Slender Man in the background. Like he he kind of did start to take on a a mind of his own in in the sense that you know. If somebody's creating a piece of art, he might enter their their consciousness yeah. and be like, "Hey, you've heard of me before. Oh yeah, put you me know in this me. photo. Like, let's add to this mm-hmm. this legend. Let's this, expand ourselves. It's a growing virus you know, experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's kind of what's going on. And then in uh, 2014, the shit hit the fan. Do you I hear mean, about this? Tell me what the Slender Man stabbing. Oh, there's God. like okay, so um, Waukesha. May May thirty first oh, in Wisconsin. Waukesha, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, my two, fam lives near there. Two twelve year old girls lured another girl of the same age into the woods and stabbed her nineteen times, oh allegedly in order to impress the fictional character Slenderman. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's it's pretty messed up, dude. I was reading the story a little bit, and they they were twelve years old at the time of the stabbing. Uh, that was when two thousand fourteen. So that was last year, dude. These girls are thirteen years old at this point, and they're being tried as adults. Whoa! Because in the state of Wisconsin, any any act like that above the age of ten goes to adult court first. Like it's Whoa. it's it's you know they they consider it an adult crime first, and then uh, they the lawyers and everything like tried to get it put back down to juvenile court because if they were found guilty, if they are found guilty, let's see. Uh, a conviction on first-degree murder charges in adult court could result in a sentence of up to 65 years in state prison. They're 13. Damn. They are 13 years old, going to go into federal adult state prison. They'd be blue hairs by the time they got out. I'm just not even concerned with that, dude. Like, I'm concerned with 13-year-old girls going into federal prison. They'd have to keep them, like, on a separate, in a separate I, place. I would hope so, but Definitely. still— Whereas a ju- a conviction in juvenile court could send them to could send them in quotes to a secure facility until age twenty five. Man, I mean that I don't know. And they can do anything they want with prisoners, like for experimentations, things like that. The, I mean, if they you go into a private, if they go into a private prison, yes, they uh, they essentially drop off the map. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's like weird. even on uh, Orange is the New Black, like that's the thing is like these, if you act out a line instead of, you know, getting beaten or being thrown into the hole, now you get to take these medications. Yeah. They're giving them medicinals because of their uh, people being, you know, you're not being compliant. So we're going to have to give you sedation pills. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of crazy to think about. Like somebody at 13 going into an adult prison that's pretty fucked yeah because those that means all of those rules will apply to people who have years before they're even fucking adults yes exactly wow the 12 year old victim was found by a bicyclist badly wounded in a ditch on the side of the road after having managed to drag her way out of the forest i mean she was stabbed 19 times she was in surgery for six hours the doctors operating on the victim was were forced to open her chest in order to repair the damage i mean they they messed this little girl up 
According to investigators, the two perpetrators had become convinced that not only Slender, not only that Slender Man was real, but also that he was all he was the only way to win. Oh, excuse me, golly, that's all right. Try that again. Try beep, that beep. again. The two perpetrators had become convinced not only that Slender Man was real, but also that the only way to win his approval was by killing someone. This is their motive. 13, 12-year-old girls found this character on the internet that was fabricated and... So Victor did this. ...believed he was real. He's but to blame. It's, it's, he created a total I don't know that, that was... he's to blame because he created something that took on a mind of its own. Slender Man, all of a sudden now showing up in these little girls' lives... <clears throat> It's a character that guy created. That's pretty fascinating to think about. But it's it's that would be it's the not same his fault, as, that would be the same know. as saying Hitler's mom is is responsible for the atrocities of Hitler. She did decide to have some sex. But that's just it. She, <laughs> she, she birthed it. She didn't uh, she didn't inspire it. She didn't lead it. She didn't control it. Yeah. You know. So I know he's not to blame in any of this, but these these girls were convinced that it was real because the internet is so in your face and part of everybody's everyday life. If it starts showing up in things that you look at every day, yeah. you're going to believe that well, something just, is yeah, real. Yeah, that goes to show you, like, you know, you're right. It does come down to the person wielding the knife. It's like, you can do that with anything, whether you're using weapons or whether you're literally believing certain things yeah. and shouting them to other people. You know, I mean, I feel like I do that sometimes. I'm like, fuck. In February 2015, so eight months ago, mm-hmm. seven months ago, uh, both girls accused of perpetrating the stabbing were interrogated. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they were interrogated by local police. In their interrogations, the girls said they'd planned the stabbing because they wanted to keep Slenderman from harming them and their families, as well as become his proxies. Hmm. So they wanted to become his proxies. That's... They wanted to become his, his followers. Um, they believed they would become servants of the Slender Man and be allowed to live in his mansion. They believed his mansion was in Nicolette National Forest. Each girl blamed the other for coming up with the plan to murder their friend. I mean, wow. I, I, at 13 years old, at 12, uh, again, is I Is this forget. a real story? Yes, this is real. This is, this is Slender Man, something fake, something fabricated on the internet, can be traced to its actual origin point, affecting uh, a, a human being's life. Wow. And not even these little girls. It's not that it, it, it affected the girls' lives who stabbed the, the, their friend. It affected the, the friend who got stabbed because she, was, she had nothing to do with this. It was not in her head. She did not stab herself. Her friends got, went, you know, believed that the Slender Man is real and that he wanted him, them to do this. And so <laughs> they, that was him. That was the wolf getting me, essentially, for this little girl. <sighs> That's... Uh... I mean, the wolf. If you're out there, you need to uh, please call us up. You're, on, you're invited on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, gosh. He's and, already here. And Slenderman. Damn it. He, why'd you say that? He just invited the wolf in. He'll oh, my here. God. You here. hear a creaking door open slowly. <laughs> Dude, did you know that, uh, the, which this is fun to go dig around in, uh, there's a lot of shit on, and I know you found, where'd you find this article, by the way? That was Wikipedia. Oh, but how'd you come across it? The Slenderman? Yeah. I, I just, you mentioned Slenderman. Oh, okay. And I, I remembered that this actually happened. There's a bunch of, uh, you can find out a lot of stuff on Tulpas, uh, on Reddit. And it originated on 4chan. Like, the actual forums that existed. Nice. For people to, you know, share their information on Tulpas and all that weird-ass shit. Yeah, yeah. It originated there and nice. ended up getting moved 
into a uh, folder called My Little Pony, which is, I guess, a, a thing. I don't know much about it. Yes, you do. Don't be a fucking no. The but the you know I know what, there's like you know a brony what my thing. little. You know what My Little well, Pony is. Okay. I mean, from when we were kids, like there was My Little Pony. But is that a joke? But of you the might, brony might thing? not know. You might or might not know that it has been revised and and like revamped in the last like five or six years. And yes, it has become a pretty big phenomenon because there are massive communities, uh, largely populated by men who love these My Little Pony cartoons, and they are they're uh, I mean. Because of the messages, because of the the things that they're saying, <clears throat> it's it's actually teaching about acceptance and things like that. But um, that's the brony movement. So I mean, it is the same like My Little Ponies from when you know you a brony. Would you consider brony. yourself a brony? I've never seen the show. Actually, I was a big fan of it when I was younger. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. My sisters watched it, and my neighbor watched it, so I just kind of got stuck enjoying it. You just yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You got you got. So I was a brony before it was a brony. That's true. That's true. I was I was a brony when it was uncool. Because yeah. I would have gotten my ass kicked. But <laughs> nobody knew. You, you sounded more like a hipster than I've ever heard. Of, <laughs> uh, it's just funny. It's like people still watch this shit. Like yeah. people still like people live by it. It's just like messages. Harry Potter. I mean, people live in in the reality of Harry Potter. So I mean, J.K. Rowling. I mean, she has not created a a spirit of Harry Potter, but she has created the spirit. She of created Harry the world, Potter. the whole yes, world. There's right, exactly. Physical places you can well. Yeah. There's one or a couple physical places you can immerse yourself in and yeah. be in that world. Yeah. That was a concept in her head. It's real. All these kinds of things are real. The connections that they make with people are real, and the effects that they have on people's lives are very real. Stop making tulpas, everybody. Well, we it's are... not that. It's 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 stop making stop making evil things for the sake of having evil things because they are tulpas. Are you saying too. J.K. is evil? No, no, no. I'm just saying that that people like the 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 runners of Halliburton. Runners was a bad word. Yes. They, the, the heads of Halliburton yeah. and those kinds of companies are creating our reality. They are physically manifesting a tulpa they should be, in that it is reality now. They should be manifesting Nirmana Nirvana. Nirmana Nirvana, everybody. That is um, seriously. It's like... <laughs> um, Shit, yeah. do we have anything? I mean, what, what do we have going on? Next week we're going to Pod... Uh, Dude, we're hitting this week we're going yeah. to LA Podfest. Yeah, LA Podfest. That's going to be fun. I know. We're, we're going to see a lot of people doing podcasts, and uh, it's going to be nothing like uh, podcast movement, which is actually what I fully expected. When I first... Because I, I, I heard of LA Podfest last year. Yeah. Uh, it was around this time, and I was it was a little late for me to go. I wasn't sure what we were going to do with Health Tree Podcast Network at that point. Um and then, you know, podcast movement showed up and I was like, this is going to be the business side of it. And LA PodFest is going to be, let's go see some podcasts. Let's hang out with podcasters. Yeah. Let's be social with, let's. And so it's that's the networking it, aspect of yes, this right. kind of job. We're going know, to a like, mixer. We're doing a mix there, but we're, we're going to start it off Thursday with a little uh, Hollywood improv action. Yeah, we're going to go. It's when Thursday. So the thing at the, on Thursday, and then the actual uh, the actual the convention start, thing is Friday, Saturday, yeah, Sunday. Exactly. And we're going to have some. We're going to try and get some people. So if any, we can't uh, promise you anything. Yeah, if any any of you guys out there listening are going to be there. Uh, we'd love to hang with you. And Jen say, hey. Briney, Greg Carlwood, you know, and if yeah. you listen to our show and you're coming, you know, uh, we'd, we'd love to say hi. Definitely. We want to try to sit down with a few people because they have those, they have a room uh, designated to, for people to podcast in all day long. So right, right. it'd be great to like just it's, bump, bump into somebody and be like, Hey, do you got 10 minutes? Let's yeah. Just chill for a quick little. Exactly. I, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people that we're going to talk to and they're going to be fascinating and we're going to just be like, Hey, we, we got some stuff set up. If you don't have time to go to the room, we, yeah. we can go to the, you know, the, the stalls, do a little poop and a squirt and I yeah. put a little oh, microphone underneath we gotta, the stall. We got a travel mic. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, that'll be that'll be next week. So like that's episode fifty one. You know, oh, episode gosh, fifty dude. was pretty. Episode fifty was pretty good. But high five, dude. We hit fifty. You know what? Oh, hold on. Fuck, let's try that on. again. That's shit. There nice. We go. There we go. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out my my real celebrations, like pop some champagne, maybe for uh, episode fifty two, just because that's true for a weekly podcast. You know, we'll come around. Uh, and ironically, um, we're gonna come up. I'm gonna take a look at this calendar real quick. We're here. We're on the fourteenth. Uh-huh. Next week, next Monday is the anniversary of when our very first episode was released. Oh wow! Uh, September twenty first. So. Our 52nd episode is actually going to come out one week after. After. So wow. in our entire run of shows, Joe, we have we've been near perfect. Damn. With our weekly releases. Well, I uh congratulations. Hey, pre pre-congratulations. I mean, this is well, we're going to make it. We're pre-congratulations. <laughs> yeah, pre-congratulations. Well, I don't know. I mean, the world's supposed to be ending. That's true. Soon. I mean, we hear some uh, you know what? I don't have any predictions on that. I don't Canada believe it. So pass. For God, <laughs> Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> um. Uh, well, thanks for listening yeah. again to this 50th episode of Hi Dare, everybody. I'm sorry we get kind of crazy. It's just part of. I mean, it, we just know? we just we talk we talk a lot and and we love our conversations. And Absolutely. We love to share our conversations with you. I'll be in a hospital soon. Start <laughs> crying. Um, for this week on Hi Dare, I'm Ian, and I'm Joe, and beware the wolf. We, we gotta, gotta go. go. Follow us on Twitter at Hi Dare Pod. Get your ass online because uh, Hi Dare.com misses you.